Testing one, two, this glorious mess. Hello, hello, and welcome to this glorious mess. Mamma Mia's podcast for parents who know that if life really was fair, parents would have more than two hands. Hey, Holly, I'm Andrew Daddo, joined by Holly Wainwright. Did you like my little hello, hello? (laughs) That was gold. At least you didn't do the accent this time, which is always a good thing. I'm Holly Wainwright. I work at Mamma Mia and I have two kids. I have Matilda, who is now nine, and Billy, who is six. Well, and I've got three. I've got 15, 17 and 19. And a, and a fun old nailed and failed oh, for the end of the program. But we'll get to that. We've got some other things to do beforehand. We're going to chat to author and movie producer Maya Newell about her new book, Wrestle, which is uh, changing the face of children's books. Really interesting. And we tackle a dilemma from a listener whose teenager is beginning to pull away. And that really is, for parents of older kids, one of the true dilemmas. So we'll we'll talk about that. Before that, though, Andrew, we've got some excellent advice from the conversation that you missed. So last week when I had Sean Zepps on with me, we talked about whether or not you should let kids get bored and what you should say to the kids when they say, I'm bored. And we got some excellent advice from one of our fabulous listeners. Hi guys, this is Gail from Queensland. I have just finished listening to this glorious mess with Sean and Holly. Sean, it was great to hear you on the show. I love you. You're fantastic. (laughs) Holly, of course, I love you as well. That goes without saying. And Andrew, the issue of children telling you they are bored. My eldest is almost 13 and only a year ago I learnt from a friend just the best answer to that question. But we were sitting on the beach, you know, the world's biggest sand pit, Waves in front of us, pretty boards, all the things. And my eldest came up to me and said, I'm bored. I was about to say something like, only boring people get bored. And she just looked straight up and went, oh, awesome. Could you just go pick up all the beach toys, give them a rinse out and put them in that basket? <laughs> and he looked so stunned that um, he just went and did it, partly because she asked him, but partly because I think he didn't have a comeback. And I looked at her and went, oh, my God, you're an actual parenting genius. Is that what you do when they say they're bored? She said, oh, yeah, you give them a job and they never tell you they're bored again. (laughs) I thought, Dale, that that was gold and I have been using it since I listened the other day. Is that a tactic that you guys have employed? Never even thought of it. Isn't it good? Yeah. When they were younger, we just, if they said, I'm bored, we just put them outside and close the doors. (laughs) No, no, really. That's also a good tactic. Go find something to do. They'll find something to do. Off you go. But give them a job. Man, that was really good, stone. isn't That's it? Great, because I'm always like, you've got a house full of books and toys, and how can I've you read that? I've read that. <laughs> I'm saying that. So I like that. I'm just going to be like, okay, that's great. You Fold can clean the, the toilet for me. Oh wow. <laughs> One of the struggles that every parent goes through is how to finally get their child to sleep at the end of the day. No, that's really true. It is one device that is supposed to help with this. <laughs> It's almost like you're here by yourself, Hole. This is cool. It's like conversations with Holly. I love it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Insight. This I is you. On, like- actually, this is you on the way home in the car, isn't it? You go like this. When well, I tell you what. Sometimes it's hard to get you kids to sleep. Is it Holly? Well, you know it is Holly. What do you do? Wow. What I do is I introduce some white noise, which is what's going through my head most of the freaking time. I got the white noise. Mm. Yeah. Cop pulls up next like- to you and they go, you okay? And you go, you know, not, I'm, not, I'm not on my phone. I'm talking to me, Holly. I Holly's meant- talking to Holly, bro. <laughs> Back meant- off. I meant, yes, it really is. 
<laughs> anyway, so look, the thing is, you and it really is hard it. to get your kids to sleep at night time. <laughs> and so there is a new device. It is literally a white noise device. The kids love it, apparently. The parents love it because it makes their kids bloody tune out from the world. I've got a problem with the white noise device. Why? Obviously. Well, because I, well, there's a few things. There's a good article in the um, in the uh, the kids spot. Dot com dot hey you, mm-hmm. um, which talks about the white noise and how a woman went to Canada and she was worried that a young child wouldn't sleep, so they got it onto the white noise machine, which is a little box that basically puts static noise through the cot. So, yep. No, that's actually me snoring, but um, <laughs> it's actually not me. You don't need the white <laughs> noise at your place. It's always on. And, uh, and uh, and then she found out that she, after doing it for a year, eighteen months, uh, sh- I should look and see if this is dangerous and bad for my child. So she looked it up and found that some of them have a decibel level of eighty plus, which is incredibly unsafe and bad for the baby's ears. Oh! Not only that, it means that if they can't sleep without some noise. It means when you put them into bed normally somewhere else, they're probably not going to sleep. And therein lies the reason why I never did the white noise or the lullaby things. Because when I had my babies, and obviously that's a little while ago now, so I'm sure trends have changed again. But the midwives would be obsessed with no sleep aids. That was their thing. Like nothing in the cot, no rocking them and all those things, no padding them, no um, white noise, no eye contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not all the things Our that you said, weren't allowed yeah, to do. Don't look them in the eyes. That's turning on the disco lights. Yes, yeah. exactly. And that no putting them in the car and driving them around, no bouncing them on a ball. Like, basically none of the things that parents actually do in real life to get them to sleep. So how do they get to how, how do you get them to you sleep? You were meant to be, like, shush, shush, there, there, pat, pat, wrap them <laughs> tightly, put them in a bear cot, walk away slowly. That was it. <laughs> But that's that, that's for controlled crying, isn't it? Well, yeah, but there, even for not controlled crying, they'd just be like, do not intervene. Like, let them know you're there and it's safe. Anyway, so the whole thing was, and so I know parents who swear by white noise, like they love it. Yeah. And they get very panicky if they have to go anywhere without it. Yeah. But then the problem is, how do you wean them off the white noise? Yeah. So the white noise is the is like their first little taste of heroin. Yes. Same as no, <laughs> so yeah, maybe not heroin. Like, maybe no, no, more well, like a, marijuana. It's a gateway drug. White <laughs> yeah. noise is a gateway. It's like a dummy as well, you know. So now I'm, I'm not down on dummies. I'm just saying that it, there's people who say the dummy is a disaster because you've got to then wean them from the dummy. Exactly. So you have got dummies. You got white noise. You've got. I mean, we pat ours. Yeah. Pat, 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 but pat, then pat, do you know? Pat, I don't know if you ever had this, but when we were pat pat patting. We'd be like, I'd think, I'm going to do 100 pats and then I'm going to try and stop and get out of here. Yeah. And I'd pat for 100 and then I'd just stop, keep my hand there though, and then immediately go, <laughs> and be like, oh God, another 100 pats. Pat, pat. And your arm is dead yeah. set going to fall yeah. off, although one of my arms was much more toned than the other was one. Was it really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, on the left side. Yeah, well, I don't, look, the other thing is that the reality is that if you have children, they're not always going to sleep. And that doesn't change. It literally doesn't yeah, change. True. You know? Well, now your kids are just keeping you up because they're out, probably. Yeah, well, you can hear them walking around there. <laughs> go, to, go to bed. <laughs> it's eight thirty. Go to bed. Some grown-ups swear by white noise, though. So obviously, the important thing is to check that there's a safe decibel level. Yeah, eighty-five decibels is the adult limit. So if you've got the adult limit for eight hours a day, and even if it's eight hours a day at eighty-five decibels, it requires headphones. You know, like mm. blockers. 
ear blockers. Yeah. So I can't bear it. It makes my teeth itch. So this is white noise now. See? Makes my teeth itch. So mm. good. This glorious mess. Listener dilemma. It's the part of the show where Andrew and I try and help you out by answering your questions. <laughs> Andrew and I both pulling faces like, oh, my God, they trust us with this stuff. You can email us anytime with something that's troubling you in parenting, family life, or, you know, whatever you want to talk to us about. We, we don't mind. At tgmatmamamia.com.au. And that's what Virgie did. And Virgie says. Hi, Andrew and Holly. I have a soon-to-be 19-year-old daughter and she's really pulling away from me. Um, she's really rude. She's dismissive. It's um, really breaking my heart. So I'd love your advice. She used to tell me most things. We were really close. And now, to be honest, it actually just seems like she doesn't even like me at all. What do you think I can do to make sure it is just a phase and we move through it and that she might come back to me one day? Virgie, oh, I'm so upset. Yeah. Andrew, you've lived through this. Well, not no, we haven't. We've got one, what feels, he's about to turn 20. Jeez. Bibby's about to turn 18. I think Virgie answers it herself when she says, what can I do to make sure this is just a phase and that she'll come back to me one day? And I think it's just a phase and she will come back to you one day, but it might take years. Oh, yes. No, no, but it really might. Like I remember mum going, like, you know, the first serious girlfriend and she goes, I never see you anymore. I'm like, I know because I have to spend time with my girlfriend because I have to spend time with my girlfriend you know like you're my mum you'll always be there but now I have to and my girlfriend wants me to spend time with her and her mum you know what I mean oh no your mum got usurped <laughs> yeah but she's always my mum don't yeah, look at me guys <laughs> we're looking so, at him like yeah. oh. so you know you never come up to the farm you never I'm, like, oh, I'm sorry so, you know that so it is definitely a phase but then you start doing things when you're 19 that you don't really want your parents to know about anyway. Well, that's the like truth. Like how good is it going to nightclubs? Mm. Don't you remember saying, I can't imagine not going to nightclubs? Yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> you know, I'm, like, now I'm like, you'd have to drag me to a nightclub by my toenails. Yeah, and so like, you know, you, when you're 19, 20, 21, you just, what you want to do is all the stuff your parents actually don't want you doing, like going to the city and staying out till five o'clock in the morning and getting lifts home with... Inappropriate people. Inappropriate people and going to parties and meeting people and, you know, so all the things that are fun when you're 19 are not fun for your parents and we can't help it. I also think that your point about pulling away and coming back that Virgie is hoping is truth, I think is very true if you just stay there, you know. One thing that I've seen friends of mine go through this definitely and what a blow it is to, you know, one minute your kids are very happy for you to be cuddling them and touching them and all up in their business and the next minute they're kind of like, get away from me, woman. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> but I think the thing is, is if you don't hold on too tightly, they'll come back. I know that was the case for me. Yeah. Particularly with my dad. I pulled away very much in those like late teen, early 20s and then now we're close again. I mean, yeah. you know, we've been close again for a long time. Yeah. But I think, Virgie, you have to – it's going to be really hard, but what will work is not holding on too tightly. Mm. And I think you're right, Holly, about you know being a safe beacon, you know, so when it does all go to poo, when you're doing those things that, you, you know, that are good fun, somewhere safe to return to, not without judgment because I don't think kids want no judgment. I'm really frustrated with the whole, excuse me, no judgment, please. Mm. I'm really frustrated with that. 
You think you're, you're allowed to judge. You're allowed to judge your own children. You're allowed to – people, <laughs> you can't just go do things and go, hey, listen, don't judge me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, some, you know, don't you reckon? This has all gone too far, hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just by the by. But anyway, so just to be a safe landing spot, you know. So you know when you've done the wrong thing. If your kids, your kids know when they've done the wrong thing. If they come back and go, oh, God, is – and you can say, oh, that was a bit stupid. Still love you. Yeah. What else? I also think, though, that Virgie's point about her daughter sometimes being rude and cruel to her, which I think is also a very common thing in early adulthood and adolescence, you can't put up with too much of that, right? No, no, not, none at all. There's still rules. The, the same rules still apply. still has to be respect. Yeah, it's respectful. Hey, listen, excuse me. You wouldn't talk to your friends that way. Thanks very much. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> I am judging. No, no. So the, yeah, respect is something, you know, if you want to be treated well, then you treat me well. That's fine. So that's deal with that in a parent way. But the other stuff, just be around. No, go and get no, a fun. hobby, Fergie. Wait till, wait till she goes bloody gap yearing. Oh. You have to trawl social media for proof of life. <laughs> oh. No, that's stuffed. That's bad. But that's the way it is. Dad, you're not cool. Why aren't you like all the other mums? So, Andrew, I don't know if you remember, but years ago now, because me and you have been at this for a while, we met an amazing young woman called Maya Newell who had made a film called Gaby Baby that was a documentary about growing up in what we often call a rainbow family. Maya has two mums. And she'd made this documentary called Gaby Baby, which went on to get banned in a couple of Australian states, but then went on to be very successful. She's now a young filmmaker. She's incredible. In that film, she followed four different kids, Gus, Ebony, Graham and Matt, who were all raised by same-sex couples and it was kind of stories of their lives and it's become quite iconic. Anyway, she's back and she's back with a kid's book called Wrestle, which is all about a little boy who's growing up with two mums and he really, really wants to be a wrestler. He wants to dress up as one and his mums are like, oh, isn't that violent and awful? It's a great story. It's so funny because it's not, is it? No. So well, for boys, wrestling's normal. But if you're a boy with two mums... Well, I mean, it's, you know, it, it depends on your family. But what Maya's story was is she was talking to Gus, who's a character in Gaby Baby, and she got him to tell her story, and they've turned it into a kid's book, and it's delightful. And it's been released just in time for Mardi Gras, and I spoke with Maya while you were travelling around the world in the last few <laughs> weeks to tell me all about Wrestle. Tell me a little bit about how Wrestle came about. When I was a kid... You know, there weren't stories that represented families like mine. There was a huge gap and to be able to fill that gap for the next generation would be really amazing. So I went over to Gus's house and he's the 10-year-old wrestling-obsessed kid in Mm -hmm. Gaby Baby and said, look, Gus, we've got this opportunity. Uh, Should we write a book together? And wouldn't that be amazing if we could tell a story that we didn't have when we were growing up and, you know, maybe a story that's not actually completely focused on gay families where, you know, a lot of the the books that are around at the moment, the crux of them is that, you know, there's a gay family and, oh, wow, isn't that, you know, a big deal? And for us with gay families, we're all like, well, that's not really much of a story because that's just our family. So in Wrestle, obviously that is part of the setting because part of the plot for the book is that Gus wants to dress as a wrestler for Mardi Gras and his two mums are like, 
we don't think wrestling's very cool. It's yeah. a bit violent. And macho and, <laughs> and mean yeah, exactly. and all the things that, you know, we don't stand for as, as parents. Which is not a conversation that would only happen in a same-sex attracted family. Absolutely. I would probably be saying the same thing to my son. <laughs> Absolutely. So I pitched this story to Gus and I, and I said, like, we could write that book. And his response was, oh, no, all my favourite books when I was growing up had gay families in them. There's heaps of them out there. You know, my favourite one is about this dog that's learning to fly. And I was like, Gus, what's going on? Like, I, I don't remember these books. Like, show it to me. And he ran over to the bookshelf and he peeled out this book and started reading it. And it said, you know, my mum and mum. And then he realised that it had been whited out the word dad and replaced with the word mum so that this lead character, this dog that wanted to fly, actually had a gay family. But from his older lens, he could see what had happened and he just had this crushed disappointment oh. <clears throat> on his face when he realised that his mum's had done something. I think he looked up at his mum and said, you know, how could you do this to me? <laughs> but his mum's, that was kind of a beautiful thing for his mum's to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that for lots of parents who are raising children as, you know, as gay, a gay family, you have to sometimes work with what you've got. Make your own culture, make yeah. your own, exactly. <laughs> But it was at that point that Gus was like, all right, let's 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 write a book for real. Ah. So you always knew this is the story you wanted to tell. You know, When you had the offer for the book, you were like, I think that Gus's story is the one. I think so. You know, there was a general love for Gus after Gaby Baby. Mm-hmm. And I think it was his energy and just how entertaining he is and how flamboyant that story is. And I also... You know, with the reference to Mardi Gras, we thought it would be a great opportunity to represent Mardi Gras, which has never been in a children's book before, let alone represented as an event for families and kids, not just for adults. Mm. Gus was 10 in Gaby Baby, am I right? And he's now 17? Yep. Do you think there's more representation now than there was when you were growing up when Gus was little, or do you still think that a book like Wrestle is the exception? I think that it still absolutely is an uh, exception. There are not many. I mean, there were none when I was a kid. I'm 30 now. Mm. But I think the new wave of books that start starting to trickle through are very message-driven. They're very about supporting gay families to feel okay about being in a gay family. And you can sort of um, really sense that worthy, earnest quality in a lot of them. And I don't blame books for being like that. You know, we've been through a very big fight in this country and lots of parents and the queer community have felt the need to support kids and make mm. them feel that way. But I actually think that, you know, this is a new era where we can just talk about the exciting stories and, you know, focus in on the entertainment quality and, and that's where the gay families aren't front and centre. It just happens to be the structure of that that family and, and I'm really excited about that new chapter. Thank you so much for coming in to tell me about it. You can buy Wrestle in all good bookshops, as they say, or in our Mamma Mia iBooks room. It's available now. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. It's that time of the week when we tell you what we got wrong or we got right in parenting this week. And ideally, you tell us some of the things that you got right yeah, yeah, wrong yeah. too. That's better. Yours yeah. are better than ours. 
Call us and do that anytime you like on 02899-9386. But we're going today. Andrew Dado, how did you go? So I went to Antarctica. Which sounds amazing. amazing. Was it amazing? Yeah, it was amazing. It was good. I've got a, there's a funny photo. I sent a picture home, right, But it, that was black and whited. But I was wearing a neck thing because it's cold. But it was red. But when it got black and whited, it went to flesh colour. Oh. So you couldn't actually see I was wearing a neck warmer. <laughs> so I sent this picture home and with a whatever, beard and stuff, out in the wilderness. Yarr, and the whole family has looked at it and gone, Jesus, Dad is fat as a house. <laughs> <laughs> He's been I'll on a the, ship eating the, food solidly for three weeks. Should have seen the food. It was amazing. Anyway, I'll put the photo up. I'll give it to you and you can sort that out. So when I got home, I've walked into the door. <laughs> they go, Dad, you look all right. I said, what do you mean I look all right? They go, you really thought you had fat as a house. <laughs> I said, did you see the picture of me in my Speedos? And they go, Yeah. But you sent another one afterwards. Thought you got fat as a house after the picture of, because, you know, in Speedos in the Antarctic or whatever. Anyway, that's not my nailed and failed. Oh. So it was one of those things where when you're not here, you can't help. So I've gone to, I, in the morning when I woke up, I could see on, you know, Messenger if anyone was awake at home. So I saw Jackie was awake and I knew it was late and I rang her up and go, you're up late? And she goes, yeah, guess what's going on? I think Felix has just come home with a bunch of people from work and they're outside now and then I'll, I'll, I'll call you back. Ooh. So I've gone – anyway, she doesn't call me back. So I text half an hour later and goes, everything okay? And she goes, yeah, well, yeah. Anyway, the cops just left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Right. And what? just come home from work with a bunch of people at 12 o'clock on a Monday night and put some music on and one of the neighbours has cracked it and another neighbour's cracked it and Ooh. called the cops. And, and I said, was it all okay? I spoke to him about it and he goes, yeah, it was fine. They said, turn it down. We said, no worries. And they left and we left and – Happy days. But it was one of those things where you just realise when you're far away, you just should not get involved in or try and get involved in anything because there's literally nothing you can do but get worried as opposed to just going, oh, you're up late. Yeah, yeah. So you were sitting there going, what's going on? And I'm thinking, well, even if something happened, literally there was nothing to do. There was no chopper off the boat. There was no – like there was literally – so why bother? So anyway, so it's Is not that the first time that cops have been called to your house no, for your teenage God, no, antics. Really? No, 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 they came for my fiftieth. <laughs> you know, poor neighbours. It's a rite of passage. Yeah, it's one but of those your things. Your neighbours are just like the daddos. Yeah, and so I'm not. Em- I'm not embarrassed in any way about that. Like I, you know, he's turning twenty. There's fully expect him to have music on at the wrong time, from That's time true. to time. Like honestly, he's a human. It's music. But it was just one of those, it was a reminder. So I'm going to say it's a nail, actually. (laughs) It's a nail because it's just a reminder that stuff happens and it's just everyone, let's work through it. (laughs) Let's not panic. Hey? Okay. Is that a good, fair reading or not? it's not bad. Yep, it's fine. Fail to fail. I also like your, (laughs) I really appreciate your kind of more laid back attitude to this stuff. You're like, well, of course he's a kid and the cops are going to get called and whatever. Like that's. Whereas I'd be like, oh, they come to me, go! What do you mean? I think I was like that. <laughs> I think I was like that at the time. Like when, what? No, I actually wasn't because there's nothing I could do. I think Jackie might have been. Anyway, she said it was quite noisy and then it was suddenly very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Something's <laughs> happened. 
Yeah. How about you? All right. So you know that just before you went away, I was on the hunt for some stick insects. I know that you happened to get the stick insect, <laughs> and I've never seen your head wobble quite so much <laughs> with English pride. You were on that. You were calling around trying to get me one. Remember yeah, last yeah. time I saw you? Anyway, we've got stick insects. Now you have to buy a cage for the stick insects to live in because they like height, right? Stick insects they like to climb high. We <laughs> so we started off with two stick insects. Brent, my beloved, has many traits, but one of them is that he's a tight ass. We've covered this before, I believe. And so rather than buy a cage for the stick insects to live in, he's like, I'm going to make one. Oh, great. great. Now, the thing is, that would be fine, except he's also not a handyman. Not a handyman at all. He's going to make one out of. Yeah, well, so him and Matilda, they're taking it on. Father-daughter project. They go to Bunnings. They buy the wood. They buy some mesh. They make this. It's monstrous. It's taking over our whole house, right? We've got this wonky stick, <laughs> stick insect enclosure that doesn't even work because the day of Matilda's birthday party, we get up and we go to look at the stick insects, and we had two at that time, and we're like, there's only one in there. Where's the other one gone? And it had got out of Brent's incredible escape-proof cage and was missing. And Matilda's in floods of tears. We oh look, God. I searched the house. Why do you do this to yourself? We searched the house, couldn't find it. Under the couches, up above everything, couldn't find it. So Matilda's in floods of tears. I'm like, we can't deal with this now. We've got a, <laughs> got a party to go to. Anyway, bought her two new stick insects on the way home, twice the price of the ones I bought her in the first place so we've got three stick insects that night I'm sitting on the couch with my girlfriend came over to drink some wine with me and have a chat and suddenly as if from nowhere this giant beast like (laughs) flew at us like its wings were like like the dragons on Game of Thrones it was like flying at me I'm like ah get out of that Good wine. Good wine. It was the escaped stick insect, which had been lurking around the house somewhere, waiting for me to have my guard down and then just fly at my head. (laughs) Attack you. I didn't even know they could fly. So I wrestled it to the ground. (laughs) Got it back in the cage, put the lid on it. I'm like, you are not getting out. Now we've got four stick insects, and they're two males and two females, and God knows how many stick insects will end up. Wow. (laughs) So it didn't escape after all. It just, well, it escaped the cage, but it got yeah, yeah. stuck it in the house. It didn't escape the house. No, it was just waiting Can for me. Can you take a photo of the uh, enclosure? I'd love I to will, see it. I will show it to you. I've got one. It's really good. Anyway, I made, we've now bought a proper one, which we haven't put them in yet, but we're about to because I can't deal with that kind of anxiety. So how big is the, how big is the cage? It's big. It's like this big. So it's like a metre by... Yeah, Two it's big point. because it was meant to be small. Like on the internet when it says build stick insect enclosure, they're these neat little – but that's not what we ended up with. <laughs> this is the stick insect enclosure. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, he wasn't even trying. He's taking the piss. Oh, wow. See, that's sort of thing that if I made that, my wife would go – probably you didn't go, not, not looking at it. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> I was like, that's now taken over my house. It's enormous. Yeah. Now, I'm just going to guess here, but I reckon those upright pieces of wood are from a packing crate. They're from Bunnings, allegedly. Oh, what? (laughs) Anyway, people will upload What do they eat? So they eat leaves. Mm. So now the good thing is, is that now every night after dinner, me and the kids go for a walk to find leaves for the stick insects, which is quite a nice thing. Mm. Yeah, look at the state of this thing that's cluttering up my house. Is it on your (laughs) kitchen table? No, it's on the floor in the living room. Like, this is like, it's ridiculous. 
I am not going to be on Better Homes and Gardens anytime soon. I think you should be on Better Homes and Gardens and they'll, they'll build you a new one. There'll be the guy who go, hey, okay there, Holly. Well, what we might do here is get rid of this one. <laughs> they were pretty scary. Anyway, yes. So we failed at um, keeping the stick insects in a cage. I'll show you. In a, I'm sure our listeners are no longer interested, but I'll show you what it was meant to look like. Anyway, that's it for Nailed and Failed for this week. You can send us yours anytime you yeah, share your nail or fail by uh, leaving us a message on the pod phone, which is 028999386, so we can share it on the upcoming programs, or you can do it on the internet at podcast at mamamia.com.au or our Mamma Mia Parents Facebook group. This glorious mess is brought to you by Mamma Mia, and this episode was produced by Liza Ratliff. Good on you, Liza. Nice to be back with you, Liza. We will see you all soon. Goodbye. Bye.